Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'm really looking forward to tonight and sharing with you guys what I feel like God's placed on my heart. Uh, as Pastor Tony said, uh, I lead uh, Victory Youth, the most incredible youth ministry on this planet. Uh, along with my uh, beautiful wife, Ashari, uh, over here, she is incredible. Um, and uh, we met 34 years ago while I was skating backwards at the roller skating ring. Total Eclipse of the Heart was playing. Magical moment. You should have been there. Um, I feel like you were tonight, you know. It's just, what a coincidence. No, uh, we, be, we got married last May. Uh, it was great. One of my best days of my life. Uh, and life has been amazing ever since. But as the youth pastors, we've discovered that in order to connect with young people, you kind of have to focus on staying relevant. You know, in this day and age, our young people, uh, things be, are created very quickly and things catch fire and die out very quickly. And so we have to kind of work hard on staying relevant to make sure we can connect with them. Yeah. When we meet a new person that we actually know what they're talking about. Adults, is anyone with me? You know, like sometimes they say words and you're like, what is that? <laughs> you know. But we work hard on doing this. And one way uh, I do this, I like to do this, uh, is through a little something called memes. Memes. Now, a bunch of young people and young adults might know, but if you don't know what a meme is, a meme is simply a photo or a picture that has captured a moment, right? And has a, generally a facial expression or, or something going on. And then they put uh, a caption within that. So they say they put a bunch of words to it that people uh, relate to and that people can feel with, right? And so instead of just telling you about it, I thought I would show you about it tonight as well. So I think we have an example for, on the screen for you. So there's a, when you need an arc, I know a guy. Hey. So this is an example. That's a classic meme. That's your introduction meme. Uh, it's a good one. Good Jesus. Always looking good. Always a classic prankster. Uh, we also, I also have another meme uh, ready to go. It should be up there. The next one. When you're slacking off during youth pack up, but a leader walks past, so you start carrying random stuff to look busy. I'm just saying, this related to me so much. I was like, oh, far out. I'm like, man, if only my leaders would read the note. They do an amazing job. Carrying a giraffe around the place. This is crazy. I think I have one more meme for you guys, just so you can really see how I feel on Mondays. On Monday morning. Is anyone else like that on Monday mornings? Like... You go back and you're like, man, I have to go back into my week, my weekend. It's just like Monday mornings. There's something about them, right? But then uh, I, I, I just found this meme quite interesting. And I was like, man, what the heck is that creature? You know what I'm saying? Like, what even is that? And so I decided to do a little bit of research into it, right? And so I, I was researching. I was looking up. And the first thing I discovered is that that creature is actually real. Like, it is a real-life animal. Like, I kid you not. It is actually called the blobfish, creative name I know the blobfish and uh, the blobfish was actually voted the ugliest animal in the world in 2016 oh imagine that being like your mantle you know like so what do you do I'm the ugliest animal in the world hey <laughs> roller skating would have looked a lot different then you know like the ugliest animal in the world but then not only that I did some more research and I found out where is it found off the coast of Australia oh so what do we have in Australia? We have kangaroos, koalas, wombats, the ugliest animal in the world. It's great. You should come and see it. It's amazing. But then the last thing I found out 
was that the blobfish actually does not live on surface level, right? So the blobfish does not live on surface level. Rather, it actually lives 4,000 feet below surface, where that pressure is 120 times more than on surface level. And so what takes place is that when they take the blobfish out of its natural habitat and up to the surface level, where there's no pressure, it turns into this. But when it's actually in its natural habitat, when it's actually in pressure, it actually looks more like this. I think I have another photo there I can show you guys of the drawing. This is what it actually looks like when it's under pressure. And you know what's really funny? I was looking at this meme and researching this meme, and I felt like God said to me, Hey, Dan, you're a blobfish. And I was like, uh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> appreciate the thought. Uh, but I felt like God said to me, you're a blobfish then. And I was like, what do you mean by that, God? And I feel like he said to me, hey, Dan, you have actually been designed to withstand pressure. And it's only when in you're in pressure that I can shape you and form you into what you're meant to look like. And I feel like... That doesn't just relate to me, but that relates to all of us, that we are all blobfish. Come on. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a blobfish. Turn to the other person and say, they really are a blobfish. See, God has designed us in a way that we are formed and shaped by pressure. God has designed us in a way that when pressure comes, that we do not shatter, but rather we are shaped into what He is calling us to be. And tonight, I would love to share with you a few things that I've learned throughout my life. But before we get into that, it's always good to find some scriptural references for an idea. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you feel like God's talking to you about something, it's always good to go to the Bible first and just double check that it actually lines up, you know? Like, it's always a good thing and that's not the pizza you ate the night before. But I found that most of the characters in the Bible that you would be familiar with actually went through extreme amounts of pressure. If you have a favorite Bible character, if you go back over their story and you look intentionally, you'll find that they actually faced a lot of pressure throughout their story, right? One of the people that I drew uh, out in my research was actually the Apostle Paul. For those who don't know, the Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He wrote books like uh, Ephesians, Galatians, he, uh, all that sort of stuff. And he wrote to a lot of the churches, uh, the early churches, to help them establish and help keep the culture and help inspire them and encourage them to be better than where they were. And you would think that someone who wrote most of the New Testament and God used that powerfully would have the best life known to mankind. Am I right? Like you would think like, Man, that would be awesome to be Paul, like, you know, just writing to all the churches, like, people read his stuff 2,000 years later, that is so cool. But when you look over his life, Paul faced probably the most amount of pressure of most people in the Bible. You look at it, and you see Paul at the beginning of his journey, he started off against the church, God encountered him, and, he, and then he was for the church. But you see, Paul, the first thing he does is that he faces the pressure of what everyone thinks about him, the fact that he's turned around and changed his belief. Not only that, but he faces imprisonment on a regular basis. If you go read over it, a lot of the time Paul is actually writing from prison or fleeing from people about to arrest him, you know? It's crazy time. He faced imprisonment. He faced beatings on several occasions. He faced people rejecting him. He had to flee for his life several times. Not only that, but there was a time that he was shipwrecked. I mean, like, I don't know about you, I've never been shipwrecked in my life, you know? Like... I've never been shipwrecked. But then he gets shipwrecked. They go to this island. They survive the shipwreck. And then once they get to the island, they light this fire. And then a snake jumps out of the fire and bites Paul on the arm. Like, that's a bad day. Like, 
Like, that's a really bad day. I've never had that happen to me. But Paul, you look at his life and you see that he has faced pressure at every turn. And I cannot beg to, I cannot just, I cannot help myself but to ask the question, man, how did Paul see the purpose in the pressure so that he didn't let it shadow him, but he let it shape him? There's got to be something that Paul did that he allowed it to shape him rather than to shatter him. There's got to be something he tapped into that he understood that, hey, God put pressure in your life to shape you and not shatter you. And now we may not face shipwrecks these days. I mean, if you have faced a shipwreck, come talk to me afterwards because that is awesome. Um, but we don't necessarily face shipwrecks these days. What we face is pressure such as paying the bills. Or maybe we face pressures such as your job. Maybe you're finding your job being a huge pressure situation for you at the moment. Or your family. Maybe you've got kids at the moment. You're feeling the pressure and, and you feel like you, you don't know what to do at the moment. Or maybe uh, uni students and assignments or uh, the, the, the ideas and the beliefs that are going around university campus. You're feeling the pressure of whatever's going on. Basically, pressure in our day and age is whatever forces you outside of your comfortable zone. You know what I mean? Like the thing that forces you up out of your comfortable zone, that is what pressure is. And if we want to truly step into our Godship, if we want to truly step into all that God has for us, we need to learn to start operating in pressure and not running away from it, yeah? We need to start learning how to let the pressure shape us and form us into what God has for us rather than tapping out and saying it's too hard. Now, before I go any further, I know that I am young. I know that I have not experienced life uh, as most of you guys have. And I'm not presuming to know all of your guys' pressures or all of the pain that comes with that pressure sometimes. But what I am going to do tonight is I am going to give you some keys that I've learned during my pressure seasons in my life. And hopefully you'll be able to take them and apply them to your life and they'll be able to help you through what you're going through, yeah? And so tonight I want to share with you guys some keys on how to let the pressure shape you and not shatter you. Number one is this, you got to position in the pressure. Number one, if you're taking notes, position in the pressure. Now, what do I mean by this? I mean, you got to position yourself in the right place in the pressure. See, when pressure comes, a lot of the time we start to evaluate our life and see what we can drop so we can handle that pressure. So that we can wrap our hands around it and handle it ourselves. And I see it in youth ministry a lot when assignments come up or exams are on or, you know, certain things are happening at school. You'll see young people who go, hey, I really love being at youth, but I'm just under pressure at the moment. And so I'm not going to come to youth for the next couple of weeks because I need to make sure I get my assignments on board. And I know that I've seen in my friend's life and as I've been growing up and, and church as a whole, a lot of the time when we face pressure, one of the first things to drop is our relationship with God. One of the first things that we drop is reading our Bible or praying or attending connect group or attending church or whatever it may be, because we need to create room in all for us to handle that pressure. But I found when I was doing my research and when I was reading into this, I found that God said to me, hey, you need to make sure you position yourself in the right place. When you're going through pressure, where are your feet planted? When you're going through pressure, where are your feet planted? Because where you are planted is where you'll get your help from. In Matthew 6 verse 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything that you need. 
See, in times of pressure, like I said before, we often try and drop things so we can handle. But this scripture is saying, no, no, before you drop things so that you can handle, how about you seek God and you seek God first and allow Him to handle where only He can handle and you plant yourself in the right place so that you can fill yourself with the right things and outwork what He wants you to outwork, yeah? So no, we've we got to make sure we position ourselves in the right place. Are you positioned? Sorry. Uh, when we seek God first, He handles everything else. My question to you is this. Are you seeking comfort or are you seeking community? Are you seeking comfort or are you seeking community? When the pressure hits, do you isolate or do you push in more? I know my natural inclination, in all honesty, and Pastor Tony will be able to uh, verify for this. My natural inclination when the pressure hit is to isolate. And I'm having to learn continually better and better how to when the pressure hits, not to isolate myself, but rather to step in and push in more and seek community because it's there that I find my strength to be able to outwork what God wants me to do, yeah? And so when you're feeling the pressure in your life, are you seeking comfort or are you seeking community? Let's plan ourselves in the right place during the pressure seasons. You also got to plan, uh, position yourself with the right people, yeah? You can come to church on Sundays, you can go to connect group, but if you don't position yourself with the right people, that's all pointless, yeah? So you got to come and position yourself in the right place, but then you got to position yourself in the right, with the right people. Get around those people that are encouraging you, yeah? And when the pressure situation, they don't go, oh, that sucks, I'm so sorry, you know? I'll be praying for you, hey! And they like, walk away, and you're like, oh man, that's cool, but I needed help, you know? Get around people who are going to get alongside of you and go, hey, I know you're going through this, but come on, I can see that God's got something on the other side of this for you. I can see that He is shaping you and I'm not going to let you give up. I'm going to help you push you into all that He has for you, yeah? We need to make sure we get around the right people in pressure situations. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Pastor Tony always says that you should always fellowship up. And I cannot stress enough the times in my life where I have not fellowshiped up and not asked wisdom and not gone uh, just to talk and, and get a, an encouragement and inspiration are times that I've struggled the most. But when I fellowship up and I approach humbly and I go, hey, this is what's going on in me at the moment. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but this is what's going on. Can you help me? Those are the times where I see rapid growth in my life and God really moved through me because I'm not holding on to myself anymore, but rather I'm surrendering and allowing God to work through me in the pressure season to the people around me. Who are you listening to in your life? You also have to position yourself with the right thinking. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You see, when you're in the pressure, you will always get bad thoughts. You'll always get doubting thoughts. You'll always get thoughts that go, what if God doesn't come through? What if God isn't big enough to help me in this situation? What if He's not hearing me? What if, what if? And you will always have those thoughts. And here's the thing, you'll never be able to stop those thoughts coming, but you can place them. You'll never be able to stop them coming, but you can place them and where they truly belong, yeah? And so when you get those thoughts in the pressure situations, when you place yourself in the right place and around the right people, you need to you know, make sure you position your thinking correctly so that you can stop those thoughts from taking a foothold in your brain and that you can truly go, hey, I know that I may have this thought that goes, what if God doesn't work through? But I also know my God is bigger. My God is greater than every situation. And He made the whole universe. So I'm sure this isn't hard for Him. Is anyone else like that? Like, sometimes I look back at myself and I'm like, the things I worry about sometimes, and I'm like, I believe God made the whole universe. And I'm like, man, I'm so worried about Jesus and my finance. It's like, really? Like, <laughs> He made the whole universe. You got to make sure you position the right thinking. 
If we truly want to learn to let pressure shape us or not shatter us, we need to learn to position ourselves in the right places, with the right people, and with the right thinking. So number one is position in the pressure. Number two, you guys are going to like this one. You got to party in the pressure. Come on. You got to party in the pressure. And simply put, it's this. Don't let the pressure steal your joy. Don't let the pressure steal your joy. One of the first things that you'll be tempted to do is let the pressure and your situation around you seal the joy that you have inside of you. But I want to encourage you here tonight. Don't let it do that because when you do, you'll begin to crack in places and hurt in places that you wouldn't have before. You all learn to party in the pressure. See, I'm not talking about happiness right now. Happiness is based on the external. Joy is based on the internal, yeah? Joy is a decision that we make to cement ourselves in the right things so that when situations change, when our feelings change, we aren't shaken and we're not drifting away, but rather we are planted in the right spot so that joy is our strength, yeah? Don't let the pressure steal your joy. What's happening to you doesn't have to be what's happening in you. What's happening to you does not have to be what's happening in you. Make the choice to cement your joy and stand on it as a foundation. James 1 verse 2 to 3 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. See, pressure is a thing that allows you to grow. But if you don't hold on to your joy, you will not grow in that pressure. You will crack in it. And God's idea for you, God's plan for you is not for you to crack, but rather for it to shape and form you in that pressure. So hold on to your joy. Hold on to that first love of Jesus that you had. See, joy brings perspective. Joy brings perspective. Joy is a foundation to see further than when your feet are currently at. Joy is the foundation to see further than where your feet are currently at. It pulls your perspective parallel with God's. We see this in Jesus' life in Hebrews 12 verse 2. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, here's the thing. Jesus endured the cross because He saw the joy on the other side of it. Jesus was able to put Himself in a pressure situation that He knew was going to shave Himself because He was standing on joy and He saw further than when His feet were currently at at that moment. He saw the joy that was waiting for Him and as a result was able to go through the pressure that God was calling him to, yeah? If you want to let the pressure shape you, you got to make sure you stand on joy as your foundation for your future, yeah? Not only that, but joy is also our strength. Nehemiah 8 verse 10 says this, This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, here's the thing. The difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is a feeling. Joy is a decision to ground ourselves in the strength of God that He has given us, yeah? And you want to know something interesting. The definition of strength is this. The capacity of an object or substance to withstand great force or pressure. 
I'll say it again, the capacity of an object or substance to withstand great force or pressure. If you want to make sure that you're withstanding the pressure that comes your way, you've got to start operating from joy. Not happiness, not feelings, but a deep-rooted understanding that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. And no longer are you victim to what you were before, but rather you are a new creation and you stand in what God has given you. And when you do that, that is when you activate your strength, which is the joy, yeah? Joy is a substance that allows us to be shaped and not broken by pressure. So number one, we have position in the pressure. Number two, we have party in the pressure. But number three is persevere in the pressure. It's all good to place yourself in the right place and position yourself properly. And it's all good to party in the pressure and make sure it doesn't steal your joy. But if we give up after all of that, we have wasted what God could potentially have used in our life. We've got to learn to persevere in the pressure. Perseverance simply means this. Persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay. I don't know how many of you have gotten frustrated or annoyed with God because you've been praying for something so long and you felt like it's been delayed over and over again. And you feel the pressure of that constantly and you're kind of toying with the idea of, do I just give up? Do I just give? And I want to encourage you, be persistent in your, in your prayer life and you're asking for God to move in because despite difficulty or delay, if you were to persevere, you would see that God would move in your life and that you would be shaped by that pressure and not shattered by it, yeah? See, perseverance is making a decision that will hold even when feelings don't hold. Perseverance is making that decision to go, hey, I'm making the decision right here, right now that I'm going to hold this. This is my choice. And even when my feelings are telling me no, I'm going to say yes anyways. Because I've rooted myself in a greater understanding and I've made this choice that I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in, but I'm going to keep pushing forward. Pastor Tony always says, make a decision in the cool light of day so that in the heat of battle, you don't have to. I'm going to change the wording of that slightly. Make, make the decision in the cool light of day so in the pressure of the moment, you don't have to. If you want to go through pressure, if you want to let pressure, pressure shape you and form you, one thing I've learned is that it doesn't start when you're in the pressure. It starts long before that. It doesn't start when you're already in the pressure. It starts before that. It starts in your routine that you're doing. It starts in the Bible reading that you've been doing for weeks and months and years before that. It starts with the worship that you do on Sundays. And it starts with the worship you do at home in the closed door where no one sees and the prayers that you pray. That's where it starts, not when you're in the pressure, yeah? Make a decision in the cool light of day so that in the pressure of the moments, you don't have to. Because your feelings will tell you to run People will tell you to run, but if you've made that choice, if you have a conviction in you, nothing can shake you from walking through that pressure. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says this, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. When you are tempted, He will show your way out so that you can endure. There are always ways out, but you have been built so that you can endure. 
There is always a way out, yes, but you have been built, you have been fashioned, you have been designed by the one who loves you so that you can endure. Has anyone ever seen one of those movies, any, basically any movie, I'm thinking uh, very much like sports movies, anyone seen the old Rockies? Yeah, all that sort of stuff, there's a newer one out called Creed, which is based on the whole Rocky series, great movie, you should go watch it, it's amazing. But basically, the, the, the way these movies go is that this person comes and they train for so long, yeah? And they're training and they're training and they're training for this one moment. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, about three quarters of the way through the movie, trouble comes. Some sort of twist happens, yeah? Some sort of unexpected turn takes place. And I don't know how many of you guys have been doing life and you've been coming to church and you've been reading your Bible and you've been praying and then all of a sudden, this unexpected twist comes. This unexpected thing happens, Maybe it's health, maybe it's family, maybe it's friends, maybe it's finance, maybe it's job. I don't know, but I don't know how many of you have felt that. But we see in these movies, what happens is that these characters, these hero characters have a decision. They can either run away or they can push in and train harder. And despite the circumstance, they can endure what they need to to get to the other side. And we often see that when they do that, they actually become victorious in the battle that they're facing. And I want to encourage you guys tonight, I don't know where you're at, I don't know what you're facing right now, but I want to encourage you, endure. God has fashioned you and designed you to endure, not to give up. Don't give up and don't give in. See, God never promised us an easy life, but He did promise that we wouldn't walk through it alone. God didn't promise, an, promise us an easy life, but He did promise that we would never walk through it alone. We are built to endure. Don't give up and don't give in. You know, when your mind, when you're, sorry, when you're doing a, some sort of physical activity, whether it be running a workout, maybe you're playing a sport, maybe you're uh, rock climbing, maybe you're doing something, maybe you're holding your breath out in the water, I don't know. Maybe do it for fun. If you do, we'll pray for you afterwards. It's fine. But did you know that when your mind is screaming at you and you push your body to the limit and your mind is screaming at you that goes, hey, you've given all that you can give. You've got nothing left in you. It's time to give up. Come on. When your mind is telling you that, scientists have proven that your body can actually give out at least 10% more than when your mind is telling you. So for instance, if you were pushing weights at a gym and you felt like you were giving up and your body was done and dusted, your, your mind is going, hey, it's time to give up. You can't push this. You can't push this. But as Pastor Tony, Tony would know, it's a mind battle because your, your body can actually do more than your mind says it can. And God has designed every part of us to withstand pressure and to keep going even when, even when we want to give up. Not only physically, but spiritually as well. When you want to give up spiritually, I want to encourage you, push in more. Pick up your Bible one more time. Pray one more time. Come on. Come to church one more time. Keep going. There's a story in the Bible about the city called Jericho. And Jericho had these walls that were basically the most amazing walls you'd ever seen, you know. And I know my walls. No, <laughs> But they're incredible walls and basically no one could get through them. No matter what attack came against the, the city of Jericho, no one could get through them. And 
the Israelites, God's chosen people, were stepping into the promised land, and Jericho was in the and they they had to take Jericho to step into this promised land, and so the leader Joshua is crying out to God, and God goes, "Hey, walk around the walls." And I don't know if you, but if I'm trained to be a soldier, and my my leader's like, "Hey, let's go walk around these walls," I'm, I'm gonna be like, "You're okay." <laughs> like, and then they do that for seven days, and on the seventh day, God tells Joshua, "Hey, do it seven times around that wall." Now keep in mind that they did not know what was going to happen. They did not know their plan the whole time. And I don't know about you, but if I was in that army on the sixth time around on that seventh day, I'd be like, okay, Joshua, we've tried this a lot of times now. I know you're a leader. I know you're awesome, but something's not working. The wars are still there. We're out here. They're in there. Something's not working. And yet we find that this army walks around Again, and on the seventh time, they let out a great shout and God brings the walls of Jericho down and they go in and they take that city. But imagine if they had given up on lap six, they would have never seen the breakthrough that God had for them. And I want to say to you, don't give up on lap six. Don't give up on lap six. Keep going because you don't know what's ahead of you. Endure. And you, some of you may be going, oh, it's all well and good for you, Dan. But you don't know my situation and you don't know my circumstance. And you're right, I don't. That's, that's 100% true. I don't know what every single one of you is going through. But here's what I do know, that Jesus does know what you're going through. And that he's given us a manual to do life with. And that manual is the word of God. And so don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it, yeah? It says in the Bible that you are a son and daughter of the Most High. It says that you are co-heirs with Christ. It says that you are more than conquerors. It says that you do not have a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. That you have everything that you need to persevere through the pressure that you are currently facing. So I want to tell you, don't give up. Don't give up. Because this pressure is designed to shape you and not shatter you. Let's follow the example of Jesus who withstood the greatest pressure known to mankind, being all the weight of sin at once and gave His life for us so that we could be in a relationship with Him. Let's follow in His footsteps of living in the pressure and letting the pressure shape us into the God shape that God has for us, yeah? So number one, we got a position in the pressure, yeah? Number two, it's probably my favorite, but you got a party in the pressure, don't let it steal your joy. And number three, we've got to make sure we persevere in the pressure, yeah? Do not give up. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.